and they live in that sin. Occasionally you're going to meet them. These are the type of people who have made choices and they're spiritually beaten up inside. They're bleeding inside. They're wounded. Because they've willingly opened themselves up to sin, it's much easier to pretend that they're not there. It's much easier to ignore them and just keep traveling down the pathway of life We'd much sooner feed the poor than we would take care of a spiritually wounded soul. Confronting people caught in sin, that's a different animal, and it's not fun. It's like trying to save a drowned person, they're going to take you under with them. But as believers, our job is what God calls us to do. To help each other out. We are to help each other from wandering away. That's the purpose of the church. We have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to our children. We have a responsibility to our husband, to our wife, to our family, and to the family of God. Do you realize that? Do you realize that that's your job? To keep each other from wandering away from the faith? And that's, that's not a popular thing to do in our society, our politically correct society today, that thinks it's a great evil. It's a great evil to pass judgment on one another. What people say or what people think or what people do. But in our text, Jesus encourages us to warn each other about the danger of unrepentant sin. And so I ask the question, do you care about people? Well, of course you do. But do you care enough to confront a fellow believer who's stuck in unrepentant sin? Do you care enough to visit them, to go to them, to talk to them, to save their soul from eternal destruction? This morning I'm going to give you God's perspective as we deal with the theme Seeking to save those stuck in sin. Jesus encourages us to take very bold steps in our gospel lesson. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. Now notice, it doesn't say if your enemy sins or if your neighbor sins. It's if your brother sins. Now, why do we call them brother? But that's, it's a biblical concept. God says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't you get the concept? We are a holy communion. We're bound together as one body. And that's what we do. We take holy communion because we join the one body, the church. And being one body then, we're responsible for each other. Why are we responsible for each other? Because we're family. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And as family, we have a greater responsibility to each other. Now, certainly, we have a responsibility to love all the people in the world. But even Jesus knows, family comes first. Now, this does not mean that we are to confront each other every time we sin, or we'd be, 
we'd just be nitpicking at each other all the time. No, we assume that our church members are repentant. We assume, I assume, that you, because you're here, you see the sin in your life, you turn back to God on a daily basis, you are repentant and you are seeking change, you're just, you're a sinner like me. We don't, you don't need a visit. People like that don't need a visit. That's not who our text is talking about. Our text is dealing with people stuck in sin. It'd be like someone who has stolen a car and the stolen car is still in their garage and they have no, no, no intention of, of righting the wrong. Let me give you a good example of how to deal with somebody stuck in sin. And let's go back to Genesis chapter 4 when God was dealing with Cain. Remember Cain got angry because God didn't accept his offering, but God had accepted the offering of his brother Abel and he was jealous. So he got angry. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Here we see the danger of sin, and here sin is given human characteristics, like sin is crouching at your door like a murderer ready to have its way with you to destroy you. Sin desires to steal your soul. It desires to have you. Sin desires to have you, to control you. And God warned Cain. Cain didn't listen. And Cain killed his brother Abel. He let his anger get out of control, and, and Abel, or, or Cain, lived the rest of his life wandering from God. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, the Lord tells us, Brothers, if anyone is caught up in a transgression, you who are spiritual, you understand things right, you understand the, how the law works, you understand how the gospel works, you who are spiritual should restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch over yourselves, lest you too shall fall. You know, people get stuck in sin. They do things in life. They find themselves doing the things that they know they ought not do, and to justify that behavior, that's what they begin to do. They, they justify their wrongdoing, and their justification can lead them deeper into sin and further away from God. I've seen it happen. So have you. But when a brother or sister in Christ gets stuck in sin... We don't want to help. We don't want to intervene. We don't want to show up. We don't want to confront them. We don't want to get involved. But I want you to think. The Lord calls you to be responsible for your family. He calls you. The Lord says, if you see somebody that's stuck in unrepentant sin, you go. If you know, you go. It's not the pastor's job. If your 
It's your brother in Christ. It's your sister in Christ. It's your family member. It's your responsibility. Jesus gives you this directive. He says, if someone sins, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, you've gained your brother. But if they refuse, my sinful heart says, well then, good. I've done my job, right? I did what I needed to do. There's nothing more to do. But listen to what Jesus says about the next step. If he does not listen, then take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. We might call this crisis intervention. Or today, in our language, we might call it tough love. You know what? The reason why you're going is because you have their best interest at heart. I mean, always, 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 always that's the most important thing. You don't want their soul to be condemned. You want them to live forever in heaven with you. And what's the next step? If they still refuse to heed your warning, Jesus says if he refuses to listen to the witnesses, tell it to the church. Get the elders, get the pastors involved. Now notice it says, if someone refuses to listen. The, the word there for refusal is, is just not wanting to listen. Stubbornly closing your ears. And to illustrate, I want to uh, use a, a, an argument between a, a deaf boy and a mother. Can you imagine that? And the argument starts to get heated. And so, now remember, since the boy is deaf, it's all done in silence. And the argument is done by sign language. And, of course, the sign language becomes more pronounced. And as they get more and more angry, it becomes more animated and exaggerated as they sign faster and faster and faster. And in frustration, the boy finally puts his hand over his eyes so that he doesn't have to know what the mother is saying. Sometimes people are like that when they get stuck in sin. They don't want to listen and they don't want to be told and they want you to leave them alone. They don't want to deal with it and they want you to go away. Don't you see? We have brothers and sisters in Christ who are determined to destroy themselves. And they're doing it. And what's our responsibility to them? To open their eyes, to open their ears, to get them to see, to understand, to repent. And if they refuse to hear, then we follow Jesus' next words of advice. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile, a pagan, or a tax collector. Kick him out of the church. Let him go. Cut him loose. You know, we're responsible for leading people to repentance. However, God does not want us treating people with disrespect. He doesn't want us to shun unrepentant brothers and sisters in Christ. He doesn't want us gossiping about them behind their backs. He wants us to have compassion on them. To have pity on their lost condition and their struggle with sin. He wants us to reach out to them. And if it means eventually kicking them out of the church, then so be it. 
We must do that. Why? Because they're drowning in their sin. They need to wake up to see what it's doing to themselves. They're in danger of losing their faith, and it's your responsibility to save them. When Jesus looked at the crowds, the Bible says he had compassion on them because he saw them as, as sheep without a shepherd. And that's the kind of love the Lord wants you to have for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are stuck in sin. They're lost in sin. They're in danger of perishing. The Christian fellowship, the Christian church is all about the body of Christ. The Christian church is people. And people matter. And if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. We all suffer. And this is one aspect of the church that we all just kind of ignore. Now let that person over there wander and struggle. At least I'm not wandering and struggling. Let that person suffer. At least I'm not suffering. But the church is made up of people. People who are hurting. People who are struggling with sin. Struggling to keep the faith. Struggling to walk with the Lord. Struggling in their prayers and their daily devotions. But we're the body of Christ. Here for each other. To lift each other up. When we're weak. To build each other. To to embrace each other when we're grieving. And to guide each other when we're straying. And to pray for each other and with each other when we're struggling. Jesus loved those caught up in sin. He visited his brothers and sisters and he encouraged them to return to the Lord with all their heart. I want you to think about the woman at the well, right? You remember that, that, that example in Scripture? Jesus met this woman at the well She had five husbands, but she had been divorced five times, and the man she was living with was no longer her husband. They were living in sin. She was stuck in sin. She wasn't changing. She wasn't repenting. But Jesus reached out to save her soul, and he reached out to show her his love, to encourage her to repent, to return to the Lord, to change, and she did. What Jesus did for the woman at the well is what Jesus expects of us. And he equips us for the task. He empowers us with faith. He bestows upon us the ability to forgive just as we've been forgiven and to lead other people to mercy as we receive mercy. And he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, we have the power and the authority from God. We are His ambassadors to speak on His behalf, to tell people, you're still bound in your sin. But we have an even greater responsibility to tell people who repent, your sins are forgiven, you go, you're free, serve the Lord. You know, when sin traps people, sometimes they can't get out. They get into a situation, they can't get out of it. 
Sometimes their sin condemns them because they wander so far from God's truth. They wander so far from God's word. And they wander from the faith and they wander deeper and deeper into sin, further and further away from God. And our job is to let them know. Our job is to warn them. As our Old Testament lesson said, if I warn the wicked and you do not preach the warning to the people, those people, those wicked people will die because they did not listen. But if you did not tell them, it won't go well with you. On the night of his resurrection, Jesus told his disciples, if, any, if you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Our job is to warn people, and there are so many of them to warn. Warn them about the dangers of sin, the dangers of falling away, and plead with them to turn back to God. It's so hard to tell people the truth. And it's so hard to confront them. It's hard to say, your sin will destroy your soul. Unless you're repentant, unless you turn away from your sin, your stubborn insistence to continue to live the way you want to live, it's going to destroy your faith. Don't you see God's given us a responsibility to lead people to forgiveness, to lead people back to God? And and Jesus is with us in all this. To lead them for forgiveness to, and, and to proclaim that forgiveness is yours. And Jesus says, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. What a joy it is to know that God has given us the power to forgive. And the responsibility to care for those who are straying. And the authority, by God's word, to draw them back. With the assurance of faith and with the promise of God. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.